Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here and excited for you to be with us today. We've got a really cool episode today with uh, with Brian and Bonnie Pugh from the Union Movement uh, out in Dudney, BC, the Dudney, town that everybody's yeah. heard of. All, all these Americans that we talked to, we we're asking them, have you been to Canada? They're like, yeah, we went to Dudney. That's where we went to in Canada. Totally. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a real hot spot, real travel destination for sure. Exactly. I've, I've totally heard of it. Everybody <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> their beef jerky here and then takes off. It <laughs> takes off. Yeah, there's nothing else. Eh? That's awesome. But we're excited to be with you guys, Brian and Bonnie. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us. So we're excited to have you as a couple on. And I mean, I'm, there's a lot of ways we could go with you as far as discussion. And I'm, we'd love to have you on for more for sure. But today we wanted to talk kind of about a biblical histor- historicity. Is that it? Historical look of sex within the Bible and kind of what the Bible says about sex and even learning some of the things from the past that are revealed in scripture. So with that in mind, we just want to kind of get get into it a little bit about, um, first off, why is that important? Why is it important to know kind of the historical context of sex that was revealed in scripture to us now? What does that mean for us now? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question. And um you know, I think for, for Christ followers, people who want to be faithful to being conformed to the image of Christ, like how you handle this area is really important, right? It's not separate from, from your relationship with Christ. And I think, unfortunately, in the church, we've kind of seen that happen. That it's like you can be nailing it in a lot of other areas, discipleship, you know, preaching, 
all this kind of stuff. But if we, we've seen that who have, we've seen people who have an amazing gift yet are not whole in this area of sexuality, you fall flat or then end up falling into sin and having a major breakdown and, mm-hmm. and they lose their position of leadership and kind of disqualify themselves from that. And so the reason why I think it's so important to have a historical perspective and a maybe more of an orthodox perspective towards sexuality is because this is the, the sexual climate that the early church was planted in uh, was actually even more perverse than we are experiencing now, as much as we're seeing, uh, we're seeing some pretty intense, you know, movements in progressive Christianity and, or progressive, the progressive movement, not just within progressive Christianity, but we're seeing some pretty intense movements towards immorality and changing of definition and men, women, and all, all this different stuff. And so uh, for us who, as people who want to be, you know, faithful Christ followers to make a big deal of the good news of Jesus, you have to be able to speak to this area. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from history because if we don't look back into history, we're bound uh, to repeat it. So, and so a lot of people will come to, to me or to Brad or any of us and they'll say, man, it's just so accessible right now, right? Like, like porn is so accessible. The internet has made it worse. But when you look at history, it's just another avenue. There's the, there's always been sexual vices that people have, have gone to. And, you know, even in, in sin, they've, we've creatively or creatively um, acted out sexually. And so I think it's important to understand that it's not just the accessibility, but it's the, the, a matter of the heart and the human condition mm-hmm. when we're apart from Christ. And so when you give historical context, I think that it really does help people understand that, no, it's not just the accessibility that's at the root of this. It's actually like uh, not guarding our hearts, not being rooted in the Lord and, and, and our drive towards sexual perversion apart from that. And so when you look back over time, what have you seen? Like when in your research, in your study, what have you found even biblical in, in history or outside of biblical history in different cultures and different ways that people acted out? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I know it was very eye-opening to me when I started to learn. Well, let me say this. First, I grew up in the church and felt a desire to read scripture and was drawn to the Old Testament, even when I was, even before I was a teenager in my early teen years. And I remember being very confused by how, like, how much God was against idolatry. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, why are you so offended by these little, like, wooden statues? All right. You know, I go to a Chinese restaurant and I see their little statue and little bowls of fruit. Like, what's the big deal about idolatry? Uh, But then when I was older, I started to realize and I started to learn that these idol idol worship was not just a neutral thing, but rather it was often in the name of like trying to get the nation to prosper or to have fertility of crops or kind of like to have lots of kids so that you'd have a, a large army or all those things is that it was almost what would happen is people would access their own sexuality in order to kind of connect with these false gods in order to kind of gain their favor. So once I learned that, that was just suddenly scripture went into context for me. Even like if you read when you know that, and then you start reading the major prophets, the minor prophets, and you see all the language around like adultery, prostitution, like, and you're like spiritual prostitution, what is this? But you mm-hmm. start to realize this is God, like it's in a way God is even in the writing of scripture is almost tame so that we're not like scandalized just by reading it. But when you realize what history shows, 
then you start to understand what's being said by the prophets. Mm-hmm. So that's Old Testament. And then the same thing happened in New Testament. The, like Brian mentioned, the early church was planted at a time in Greek Roman culture where the worship systems were connected with prostitution, even with, with human sacrifice, specifically child sacrifice with all the resulting pregnancies from that sexual climate, like sexual culture. Anyway, so this is the, this is the history of what the church was planted in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then not only that, so this was another eye-opening moment for me. I was pro- I think it was 2021 and uh, our, a team I was a part of were going to Peru. And so each, each member of the team, on a, we were going on a missions trip, each member of the team was assigned a different area of culture, Peruvian culture, to just research and then present to the rest of the team so that we could just kind of get to know the land we were going into. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do history. Sure, that sounds great. And so I know Machu Picchu is a huge, you know, that's a big tourist attraction. What I didn't realize is that in the history of Machu Picchu, you find the exact same elements where you have this sexual perversion as well as this child sacrifice. So you, and so, and then over the time, over time, I've started to see that just across, across the globe throughout history, like you said, Matt, it is the natural, it's the human condition towards lust, towards self, like self-serving, a self-serving nature matched with, I believe the spirit of darkness that tries to like prey on that Mm -hmm. vulnerability. And we see that creating chaos in the nations. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I mean, and for us here in present days, I mean, ethnocentrism is this idea that, um, a certain culture, our culture might be better than other cultures, but I feel that we do that a little Mm -hmm. bit with present day mindset. We think, well, we're more, elevated in our thinking. Absolutely. We're more evolved. Yeah. Um, we're better than they were in the past, but really that's not the case, right? <laughs> and yeah. I mean, if you look in from history, I, I love history. I love this conversation. We're glad we're doing this. But if you look at, I mean, historical things where you're talking about, Bonnie, um, all the way from Asherah to Baal to, you know, yeah. you get yeah. into the, the Greco-Roman world and then, you know, the letters of Paul's writing to Corinth, you know, you see all mm-hmm. this. What are some of those things that in, in moving through that theme and that thread, that as you guys were looking into this, that you're like, wow, this, this is amazing. This surprised me. Or what are some things that stuck out to you that kind of gave you those aha moments about our days today? Yeah. Well, what's really interesting, you look into, yeah, I guess Hebrew culture in the old Testament and, and like this prophetic warnings that were coming to the people of Israel and saying like, Hey, like confronting these false gods, the interesting thing is that these were not like the, the Israelites or the people, the children of Israel had not just forsaken Yahweh and then gone and worshiped Baal and Asherah. They were both going on at the same time. They're like, I'm going to worship Yahweh and I'm going to worship Baal. Right. right. And you see this through Kings that they would, they would take up that position of leadership and, and some of them would build altars to Baal and some of them would tear down the altars and some of the altars and some of them would have victory and, and reformation and revival in, in their, in their, in their land. But these prophetic messengers would come at a time where it's like, it's not just one or the other, they're trying to walk this line of both. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, when you see that you go, wow, that has, that sounds like today. Cause it's like the, the, see, we're asking questions within the church today is just like, well, how far can I go and still be a Christian? It's like, we're asking the wrong questions, yeah. you know, right? Like this area of sexuality is like, well, how far can I go and, and experience everything that the world is offering and still have an allegiance to Jesus? And it's just like, 
you know, we were, we were kind of talking about it yesterday and, and I need to check, I need to fact check this, check this, but it's a powerful analogy nonetheless. Um, you know, like kind of the early crusades, like these, the knights would be baptized, but their sword would stay up out of the water. I don't know if that's true or, <laughs> true or not, but it's kind of like this analogy that like the knight was saying that, yes, I'm going to be baptized and set apart to God, but this one part of who I am is not going to be touched by God. Mm -hmm. And I go like, man, doesn't that sound like modern day Christianity when it comes to sexuality, I will define my own sexual ethic. I will define, uh, I'll even start to shape Jesus in a way that that lines up with my own personal uh, worldview around sexuality Mm -hmm. yet still claim allegiance to the Lordship of Christ. And I think that's pretty eye opening. That's pretty sober. It's pretty sobering to think like, yeah, we could be equally along. We could, like you're saying, we are not better than those people. The human heart has not changed too much since then. We just do the same stuff in different ways and we give it different titles. But I think that's something to keep really at the forefront of our minds today is just like how much of our, our viewpoint on this is actually being shaped um, by God's perspective. And are we walking that line of just trying to have, you know, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world? Right. It's amazing. I love, I love what you're sharing that it's, it's not just necessarily one or the other, but we're trying to do both, but that's not the Lord's will. It reminds no. me of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, right? And Ananias, the meaning of his name is grace and Sapphira is like sapphire, like worldly beauty. And so they're trying to mix worldly beauty with the grace of God and the Lord I mean, ultimately puts them to death because they're being deceitful. But it's not like they were both sapphire. It's mm. not they were only worldly beauty. There was also the grace there too, but it wasn't sufficient for the Lord. And, and I see what you're saying now with Baal and Asherah, but also worshiping Yahweh at the same time. And we're trying to make that work. And so if you can go back to God's response there, obviously we've got the grace and the cross now, but how does God respond to the people worshiping both at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just was thinking recently I was reading in Ezekiel, which is interesting. Ezekiel was part of the priesthood. And so his message, um, first of all, it can be very confusing for those of you who are reading Ezekiel. Don't worry. I don't understand the whole book for (laughs) sure not. (laughs) But this one chapter stood out to me where he brought this message of warning to all those who are in leadership in any capacity. So he, he spoke to the priests, he spoke to the prophets and he stopped and he spoke to the princes and basically condemned the way that they were leading the people. And he just said, you're living a double life. Like the covenant between God's people and God was meant to be one of faithfulness. And that's where you, you do see throughout all the prophets, this call back to like a marital faithfulness in the, the same way that myself as a wife, if Brian were to say to you, say to me, Bonnie, I am yours Monday to Saturday. And it's only Sunday that I'm going to cheat on you, but I am yours Monday to Saturday. You know, it's like, be grateful. You know, that's how much like that would be appalling to any soft hearted human, right. Who's in a relationship. There's a reason. And so there's a, there's a reason that God uses that analogy of marital covenant because we understand that love is a jealous thing, not in like a possessive, manipulative, controlling way, but we understand that love and faithfulness are meant to go together. And the deeper the connection, the deeper our desire for someone to be loyal to us, right? And so God is saying like, I am gonna be faithful to you, my people, 
why won't you be faithful to me? Like, have I done anything? Like what have been, what's been my fault? Why would you turn against me? Have I not fulfilled you? Have I not provided for you? And so I think that was, yeah, that's the, what you see in the prophets in Mm. the old Testament over and over again. Mm. It's like, return to me. I I will be faithful to you again. Be faithful to me, you know? Yeah. And I think too, like you, even the, the idea of covenantal language is always conditional. You know what I mean? Like, if you do this, then I will do this. Right. And the, the conditions for still for even in the new covenant today are faith and obedience. Right. But the, the caveat there is we don't always not, we don't always rock that obedience part. Right. But this is the beauty of the new covenant that we have is that it's a better, it's a better covenant built on better promises Mm -hmm. that we have mercy. We can have this, this freedom and this opportunity to repent and to experience God's mercy continually, not just this one shot, you know, on the day of atonement that, you know, this would all just be washed away. We could have a fresh slate. It's like, we get to now boldly come before the throne of grace every day through what Jesus has done and experience that renewing. And, and I think like, cause I know we've been kind of heavy on the kind of the cultural um, slip in morality and, and how that affects a lot, but like uh, how that affects society. But like, I think this is the hopeful thing is that we don't get our things all of our brokenness figured out on the front side of the cross, right, yeah. right? We get it figured right. out as like, we come to Jesus and he's the one that sanctifies us, heals us, restores us, works in our life. And, and this is what, this is why the good news really is the good news, yeah. right? Is because it, you, we fail on so many levels and not just in our action, in our motivations on the, the, in um, the interior, the interior of our life, our thought life, our motivations, everything like that. We fall short of the glory of God. Mm. Yet God is so committed to shape us into his likeness as we walk with him, as we experience his love. And as we lay our life down, we get to actually find real life and, and experience the goodness of Jesus. And so, yeah, so like we, we obviously see this topic of sexuality, not separate from the gospel. And we just want to see it through the biblical light, looking through the old Testament, mm-hmm. looking towards the cross mm. is the best way to, to interpret the old Testament. So mm. that's a beautiful word from both of you and the illustration you gave Bonnie and everything you're saying, Brian there as well. And hundred percent, the lens we use to look at through sexuality through the cross is is so much more transformational than anything else and uh, mm-hmm. i think that's uh, that's such a true word and now we have talked a little bit about the old testament and sometimes i think people are like well this is this was something in a time and a culture and a place that what's the application for us really and but mm-hmm. the, the beautiful thing is i mean we have some letters from Paul to the, for, for instance, the Corinthian church. And I know that was, you know, 2000 years ago, whatever it was. Right. But still that, that city at that time was a place very similar to what we face in our culture now, very syncretist, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things going on there that had a lot of similarity and parallel. So just moving forward from the old Testament to the new Testament, I wanted to get your thoughts about that. You know, what are some things revealed in those letters to the Corinthian church and even other uh, letters Paul wrote and, and throughout the New Testament that use that lens of the cross and, and show what God's heart is for sexuality in, in the New Testament? Yeah. Well, I think personally, the thing that's just blown me away is the, the value that the New Testament or just even just the scriptures bring to the human body that is so was so like countercultural to to the day even the, the new testament was kind of centered around and the early church was centered around like there's this idea of gnosticism that essentially just elevated your 
your perception or your worldview, or even like the perception of yourself or kind of like your interior, I'm just, I'm maybe butchering this definition. There's probably some like historian that's like can nail it down much better than me, but it essentially elevated your whole perception, the way you saw the world and the way you saw yourself above your, your physical body, because the physical body, you know, is, is kind of like, it has weird urges and it does weird things. You know what I mean? It's just like, ah, how can this be, you know, a true good part of who you are yet? You know, uh, first John talks about makes a statement that if anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, like if you believe that he didn't come in the flesh, you're antichrist. So this idea that, that God would, would, um, not see fit to take up a human body in, in his work, of restoring humanity to himself um, is actually an antichrist message. So God actually sees huge value in the human body. And I think this is hopeful in the discussion around gender identity and so much that we're facing right now is God actually sees so much value and beauty within the human body and that he's made us in his image, body, soul, and spirit. And, and he desires to bring healing to all of those areas. And so it, yes, you might have a disconnect between, between your your inner world your perspective and your body you might feel like man there's they're just not in congruence but but this is where jesus does his work he brings uh integration and healing in all those areas to to bring alignment for you so uh, that's the thing that i list like looking back into the new testament now and what the early church the the hope that the gospel was bringing to the early church at that time is just very much in line with a lot of the big questions that we're we're trying to navigate right now so Hmm. Yeah. And um, I'd say a really, like one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in first Corinthians, that letter, uh, chapter six, Paul lays out, like, don't be deceived. God is not mocked like that kind of that same language that we see in Galatians. Uh, But he says it like, you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you are immoral in these different ways. And he lays out, you know, if you're a drunkard, if you're an idolatrous person, if you're an adulterer, if you're a homosexual, if you're, if you are, uh, you know, a liar, all these things. And then, which just sound, I just go, you just like listed off like the main sins that most people are dealing with. But, and so you could just imagine this letter being read out, right? Cause he'd mail this letter and then they'd read it out to the congregation. And I could just imagine maybe like, you know, maybe a young man like sinking down into the chair in the back, like, well, then I guess I'm not inheriting the kingdom because, yep, I did that stuff. But then the very next verse says, and such were some of you, Mm -hmm. like you right there in the congregation, you were those things. And then, but then it says, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified because of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just think that's powerful. Like this is not you know, the church wasn't like the shiny people who just like were plopped down in the middle of this dark culture, but they were the redeemed ones from the middle of that culture. And then they're having to learn how to, how to live the way Jesus called them to live. And I was even, you know what, this morning I was actually thinking about, I don't know what verse it actually is, but I know I've read about how the, it was like the redeeming of kidnappers which I'm like kidnapping. I remember like as a kid being like, I'm scared of white bands, you know, <laughs> but like kidnapping, wait a second. Could that be that there were traffickers who got saved and then came and were a part of the church? And now mm. they're having to, how to, they're having to like believe Jesus for forgiveness from that shame, the mm. memories of what they used to do to children. Mm. Could we have a space in our church for everyone? Could we say, yeah, we know you, we know you used to molest children you are welcome to be a part of this body. And we believe 
that Jesus can make new creations. We believe he can transform people's hearts mm. and that you, what you used to do is not who you are anymore. Uh. And I know that there's like legal ramifications and all that stuff, but like in essence, do we believe in the, that redeeming power of Jesus that much that we say there's space for all of you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, man, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful. Cause some people, they hear the message of what you're saying about Baal and Ashra and, and worshiping Yahweh. And they're like, Oh, that's me. And like, God must be angry. And there's this condemning way that we read scripture. Right. But, or, or what you're just talking about, Bonnie, with that list, but then it's like, but then you move on and you're washed and that was you, but now you're washed pure. And it's so hope giving and so encouraging and it's so important that even when we're in sin and we have shame, we have guilt to, to read scripture in the proper lens. Yeah. And with every story that you've referenced in every story in the old Testament, where some people can read it wrong, it's like, no, Jesus is in every story. Every single story mm-hmm. points to Jesus and points to the cross. And that's so beautiful. And it comes to mind, actually, there's a, there was a man who just passed away and uh, he went to the church that my dad pastored in the nineties. And then the last few years of his life, my dad's still pastoring and that man and his wife came back and he he just passed away and at his funeral it had to be brought up that he was a child molester but wow. he was a child molester in the 80s and early 90s and and that was before we moved to Edmonton my dad was a pastor out in Vernon in BC where you guys are and so mm-hmm. he had read national headlines about this guy because wow. he had molested all these girls in a church wow. in Sunday school Brilliant. then he went to jail then my dad got a church uh, or a pastor at a church in Edmonton comes here and this man is in his congregation and he's like, Oh my gosh. And so he had to walk through the family, walk with his sons uh, through marrying their girls, walk with the girls through that. My dad had to be really involved. This man just passed away, but he had been, I mean, that was part of his story, but at his funeral, mm-hmm. it's like also though the redemption was part of his story yes. and the last mm-hmm. 28 years or whatever it was, or 38 years or whatever of his life, was free, like was redeemed wow. by the cross. And he spoke to that all the time and he'd witnessed, he'd be like, I was transformed by Jesus. And so it's interesting because it wasn't mm-hmm. like he didn't know Jesus before. Maybe he didn't, but he was in the church. His family grew up in the church as he was doing this stuff, which kind of freaks mm-hmm. you out. And so in Canada, we have a thing called, um, oh, now I'm going up, I'm forgetting, but you guys can remind me, what's the thing? Plan to protect, right? That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. 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 So in Canada, we have a thing called plan to protect with Sunday school, where it's a thing to protect kids from uh, sexual abuse. And it was because of this man. And so Whoa. sometimes the Lord will actually use that stuff even for good, right? And to protect. Absolutely. And so our story of worshiping Baal and worshiping Asherah and being in sin, even though we claim to love Jesus, he's saying, hey, I'm so jealous for you, but also like, I'm going to use your junk. And I want to use that. And that's so hope giving. And it's something that we see all throughout scripture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think this is this is the beauty of of Jesus is that he wants to sep- separate our history from our heart. You know, and so like we can have people who they might be worship leaders, they might just be like tier one leaders, you know what I mean? Small group leaders or youth pastors, right? And they're they're nailing it administratively and they're doing everything right but they know that the shame of their past is still very much reaching into their present life. And I think about like this man, obviously if he had anything to be ashamed of, like if anybody had anything to be ashamed of, it's like, um, here's somebody, you know, took advantage of some of the most innocent people in our, in our time. Yet the, the power of Jesus was enough Mm. to separate Mm. all that from him. 
to bring light to it, to bring redemption, to bring mm-hmm. healing and to restore beauty. And mm-hmm. it's not to belittle anything, right? It's not to belittle the pain that, you know, those families would have gone mm-hmm. through and those kids would have experienced, obviously mm-hmm. not. But I think like there, there really is nobody um, who's beyond redemption, yeah. you know, when they're willing to to humble themselves and, and allow the light of God onto that area, he can separate our history uh, from our heart. So, mm. so true. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, that, well, I was just going to say, and that would be the same for anyone who is a victim mm-hmm. of crime, yeah. is that the Lord knows how to bring healing and how to separate the history of your body from your future. Mm-hmm. And that, so it's the same it's the same hope for us all that we don't have, yeah, that the past doesn't have to t- bring torment mm-hmm. into the future, you know? So I just think if anyone's listening right now and they're thinking, how could you say that God could forgive someone for doing that? Like, yeah. you don't know how bad it's been for me because of what happened yeah. when I was a child. That, I mean, statistically, it, yeah. it's not uncommon anymore, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Just even statistically, those are the people who are willing to admit it, Yeah, who are willing to, you know, say yes in a survey mm-hmm. or bring it, bring it to the police or something like that. So there's hope for you as well. There's yeah. healing power available for you as well. You know, and I think that that journey of forgiveness and that journey of mm-hmm. um, grieving, you know, what you went through and bringing it into the light, man. Yeah. And even like, you know, like this, cause this, this hope of restoration that Jesus obviously fulfills or ultimately fulfills was like hinted at and promised in the old Testament too. like, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you return to me, I'll return to you. You know what I mean? Like God, God is not, Mm. you know, the God of anger, wrath and judgment in the old Mm -hmm. Testament. And all of a sudden he just has a change of heart and is now a merciful, kind and patient in the new Testament. Like this was always, always being woven through it all. Mm. Like he was hard on, the the justice against the evil that was being done the immorality the yeah the sin that was that was moving through his people you know he would speak to that he wouldn't shy away from it but he always had this promise of restoration if you repent if you if you turn away from those things and acknowledge and acknowledge me and allow me to be really the lover and the redeemer of your soul like we can get back into right relationship again, you know, right. This is always the hope you return to me. I'll return to you. And mm. sometimes it's just stepping out and making that first step just to say, God, like this is really what's going on. And, and God, God can come running, you know, and <laughs> take up the fill of the rest of the space if you're willing to take that first step. So. Yeah, absolutely. And for those listening out there, I hope you hear that because no matter what has been done to you or whatever you may have done or not done, God cares about you, cares about you deeply, and yeah. grace is personified in Jesus Christ. And look to him in that. He cares so much for you. And as you guys are saying, you take a step towards him. You receive him, believe upon him, invite him into your life. The love, the care, and the contentment and the, and the freedom that he brings you is far greater than anything that you've ever been through, anything you may have done or anything that has been done to you. And and that's so true. That's the message of the gospel. Um, and and that's that's one of the things that's just so beautiful about uh, why it's important, right? To, to learn about what scripture says about this, because that gives us a proper, correct view of God. And mm-hmm. if we want to have a healthy sexuality, well, we have to go to the designer of it. We have to go to the designer Absolutely. of us, um, the creator. And so I just love what you guys are saying. And uh, I hope that anybody listening out there, you just get the wind of that, you know, that there's hope for you. 
And even though our culture has been, you know, it's quite perverse in so many ways, we've seen it all throughout history as we're learning today, right? As we're seeing, you know, God's with us and for us. And um, so this is something that I hope just gives you hope. Is there any uh, hope? Gives you hope. That's a lot of hope. But is there any last words that you guys would like to kind of touch on here? Well, yeah, I think just just like you say, like we don't, and like we've said through this whole conversation is like, we don't get our all of our brokenness figured out and then come to the Lord. And I think, you know, I maybe I'll just say this. I think the church has kind of fallen into two ditches. We try to say this as much as we can. We either fall into two ditches. One where we start to love people more than God does, or we think we love people more than God does. And we cross scriptures out of the Bible in order to be relevant and to fit in with the, the ideas of the day. Or we become really political activists, motivated and intense, angry people. And we protest and we do this and that. And, and I think there's a third option that we can be truthful and gracious. And, and I think this is, this is a call to the church that we make a big deal about the gospel. We make a big deal about who Jesus is. And yeah, there's, there's right and wrong. There's evil, there's good. And we need to identify those things and be able to separate them. But there are, there's also a grace that's beyond measure in, in Jesus and that can transform anybody's life. And so we have to be gospel centered, biblically centered gospel thinking people. So I love it. Can you guys share uh, a little bit about the union movement and how people can find you and what they can get from you? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, our big focus is helping people find wholeness in the areas of identity, sexuality, relationship, as well as standing with churches and leaders who are wanting to really develop a healthy culture within their faith community. So we have, you know, we have our own podcast, we have a, a blog library, we've created a few online courses. I should say we've released a couple in the process of developing a third one just around these topics, things, foundational things that you're going to need to know how to break shame, how to offer forgiveness, how to think about what it is to be men, what it is to be women. And then we, you can follow us online at the union movement or find our website. It's just the union movement.com. Am I missing anything? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We're on Facebook, Instagram, yeah. not doing the TikTok thing, but maybe, maybe one day <laughs> maybe. step into that. Yeah. Oh, I will say this actually is that we've recently developed a tool just called the self sexual health evaluation tool. And that is specifically for leaders of churches and ministries where it's just like a short questionnaire survey that you can look at and it asks questions to determine health in five key areas of your community and give you an idea of where to target like resources, time, energy, to be able to strengthen those areas. We've just seen these five key areas that contribute to longevity within sexual health. And so you can find out more about that on our resources page, but I just thought I would mention that if anyone is interested in accessing that. Wow. Great tool. And all everything that you mentioned, uh, that's, that's, that's really great stuff. So check it out, everybody that's listening. There's their resources. I think these are going to be very, very helpful to you and uh, just a benefit um, in the sense of understanding biblical health, sexuality, and uh, these other areas as well. So thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, Brian, for taking the time with us today. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah, it was a joy to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Everybody listening out there, we appreciate you and we hope that you have a great week. We'll check in with you next time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.